We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You are listening to Dove Valley Deep Divers with Eric Trickle and Lance Sanderson. Ball comes out of the hands of Newton. It's on the ground, picked up by T.J. Ward at the four-yard line. Vaughn Miller did it again. On Overtime Media. Mile high hello, everybody in Broncos country. Welcome into another episode of the Dove Valley Deep Divers podcast. I'm your host, Lance Sanderson, and joining me, as per usual, is my good friend and colleague. He is Mile High Huddle's senior NFL draft analyst, the one and only Eric Trickle. Dude, so about, what, 15 minutes ago or so, right before we decided to go live, uh, Alaska decided to have an earthquake, man. Your camera was shaking all over the place. You doing all right up there? Yeah, I mean, it was... Not even like it was about 20 miles away from us, but it was only a 3.6. And it's like one of 30 earthquakes that we've had today. Like Alaska's constantly shaking. And unless it's like above a 7.0, we don't really feel it. Like I barely felt it. And then I noticed my camera was shaking. Right, that's that's all that was. Like it's it, it's the thing of Alaska. Like we don't have to deal with snakes here. But I have to deal with constantly shaking and living across the body of water from an active volcano. I'll take that over snakes any day of the week. Dude, when you say that your camera was just barely shaking, I'm saying it was like this there for a second. <laughs> like it was it was legitimately going back and forth. I was like, oh, dude, like, are you guys going to be all right? All fun aside, it's it's good to have you here, man. I'm, I'm glad and excited to be joined with you as always here. Uh, the Broncos are currently in the midst of making their coaching hires a couple of new hires today including uh ben kotiqua is how you say his name ben kotiqua and mike westhoff former uh, special teams coordinator and assistant over in the for the new orleans saints both guys i believe have some experience with uh with sean payton there uh, it's going to be interesting to see how the staff continues to shake out we've got some more coaching updates some other guys we want to kind of talk along with you but thank you all for joining us here on Dove Valley Deep Divers tonight. We've got uh, William William Catalano in the house, uh, Dark Iron as well, Jeff Noyes, Kevin Gray, Dylan Von Arks in the, in the chat running things I see always does, Scott Kennedy behind uh, the scenes running the ones and twos, uh, Flazify jumping in here. This is a new name that I want to give a shout out to. Thank you, Flazify, for joining in, the, uh, in here tonight. I like these moves a lot. Special teams can only go up from last year, B plus in my opinion. Now, Eric... I'm going to bounce a lot of this off of you because I didn't get a chance to really run through a bunch of these guys today and really get an opportunity to take a look at that. And quite honestly, special teams is not necessarily my forte. I know that you've done a lot of work uh, over the last couple of seasons to get better 
assimilated with the ongoings of special teams. So first things first, what are your initial impressions of Ben Katikwa? Excuse me. I mean, I like him. I like what he brings. He's a former army helicopter pilot, rose to the rank of captain. Um, so you know that there's like the steady thing of discipline. And from what I've heard about him is that he's not like too strict in terms of coaching. Um, I do have a slight concern about his special teams as in DVOA over the years. They've been a really mixed bag when he's been the special teams quarter, not just not the assistant. There's been eight seasons where he's been in that, and four of them he was in the top 16, and four of them he was in the bottom 16. So a very mixed bag of it. But, I mean, even still, like, the worst year that they had, or the worst two years that he's had, rival what Denver just went through. 28th mm -hmm. and 29th in DVOA were the worst that he had. So it really can't get any worse as Denver was dang near the bottom. So I'm excited for it, and I like the hire of Mike Westhoff. They have experience together. They worked with the New York Jets together. And Westhoff, even though he's the assistant head coach, he's going to be overseeing special teams with the special teams coordinator. And he has, I think, without counting, without actually counting it, I think he's got only one year where he wasn't a top 16 special teams unit. Like, so I, I'm really excited by these hires. And I agree. I would definitely give it, I'd probably actually give it an A minus. I'm kind of with it because first off, Mike Westoff, uh, he's what, 75 years old. He's been out of coaching for, I think, five or six different seasons. Um, but with the, the experience that he has had dating back to like the 1980s, this guy has been a part of special teams for pretty much the majority of his coaching career. And as a special teams coordinator, like you said, he's been in the top half of the league, including stints with, I believe, the New York Jets there for a while. He was with uh, the New Orleans Saints there for a little while. Um, I believe the Atlanta Falcons as well. So with, with Westoff, you're getting an experienced guy, a guy that can come in and kind of oversee everything while letting a young up and coming guy that's had a little bit of experience, but still needs some more grooming, if you will um, allow that to be the term there uh, to become and help turn around this Broncos special teams unit, which has been dreadful for the past, what, six or seven different seasons. So I'm, I'm kind of right there with you in terms of it being a, an A plus hire, but when you're trotting out the guy like the likes of guys like Brock Olivo and Dwayne Stukes, not to take a necessarily a shot at him because I, I like him as a person, but um, also uh, what's what's the other guy that they had? His name uh, Decamillis, Joe Decamillis. Like for the last what six or seven seasons, the Broncos special teams units have been absolutely dreadful. So to get some experience in here, a guy like Mike Westhoff, I really I really do appreciate this hire. Yeah, I want to give a quick shout out to Lawrence who donated some some stars. Thank you, Lawrence. We appreciate that. Michael Ronquillo also came in with some stars saying, "Good evening, Lance and Eric and Dove Valley Divers. Go Broncos and Buckham, definitely and definitely Buckham and go Broncos." And thank you, Michael, for your continued support. We appreciate that. Same to you, Lawrence, as well. Um, your Buckham shirts, t-shirts on the way. That's great to hear. Um, but yeah, Mike Westoff, like he was initially working on the offensive side of the ball. I believe he was an offensive line and tight ends coach for quite a while. And then 2000 and what 2000 or 2001 is when he got hired on as a special teams coordinator with the New York jets. And what stands out to me was even then, even though social media wasn't as prominent there in the early two thousands, he managed to survive three different coaching staffs. He, he was hired by Herm Edwards lasted mm -hmm. through my Eric, um, Eric Mangini. Eric Mangini yep. Yeah, and then was with Rex Ryan, and when Rex Ryan was, they just completely cleaned house. So that that's something that stands out to me is being able to survive multiple special teams or multiple head coaches because your special teams unit is doing such a good job. 
And even when he took over, he was there with the New Orleans Saints for two years after in 2017 and 2018, after he was let go in 2014 by the um, by the Jets, he kind of was out of football for a while. But he took over the 27th ranked unit and the with the New Orleans Saints and raised them up to being the 17th and 18 or 17th in 2017, and then the ninth ranked unit in 2018. So he has consistently taken bad units and also made them better and kept them playing at a high level throughout his career. It'd be interesting to see going back and taking a look at those seasons with Westhoff as a, as a special teams coordinator, what the bottom end of the roster looked like with the New York Jets and uh, with his time as the New Orleans State special teams coordinator, because the Broncos, I think, have a, a quality top side of the roster, but there's still a lot of holes, specifically at linebacker, at the running back position right now, uh, the lower level wide receiver, lower level cornerback group that that's the majority of the talent that's playing on your special teams unit. Unless you're like the Seattle Seahawks who play starters on defense and starters at the wide receiver position on special teams, damn near every single season. So I'm, oh. I'm curious to go back and take a look at that and find out what the lower level, uh, like the bottom level roster players look like on those teams. Every team plays certain starters on defense. Every right. Team yeah, yeah. Yeah. Linebackers are the most common ones. Um, but yeah, I mean, one thing is, as you were saying, is with those issues with the Jets or those things with the Jets, how did the depth of the team look, especially at those key def- uh, key special teams positions that you use? That is something because, I mean, you got to have decent talent, but those weren't great Jets teams for a lot of the years that he was there. I mean, again, okay. they went through three different head coaches. That mm-hmm. kind of reflects poorly on it, but his special teams continued to shine. He continued to make the best out of what he had. And so I don't expect Denver to trot out the same guys they did last year. But I still expect that even if they did, we'd still see better because they're going to be better coached. They're going to be better prepared. And Dwayne Stukes, I mean, seems like a nice guy. Nothing against them personally, but he wasn't a good coach. And the guy who was brought in to help with the clock management aspect of it, when he would took over as the head coach, well, he went because he didn't like what he was doing on special teams. And he's yeah. an experienced special teams coach guy. So no matter what they do with the bottom of the depth chart, I would still expect a sizable improvement from the special teams unit. Yeah, likewise. And like I said, I think that this roster is a lot more talented than what we saw over the last couple of seasons and specifically last season under this last coaching staff with Dwayne Stukes and Nathaniel Hackett obviously being at the the forefront of that. I want to tie a couple of things together here because we've got Ben Katwika and uh, Mike Westhoff joining the staff, obviously, but the the Broncos defensive coordinator position still hasn't been locked up yet. And we all know the big rumors running around town right now in terms of the, the big target, or at least a top target, according to Ian Rappaport from a couple of days ago, Rex Ryan former uh, defensive coordinator for the Baltimore Ravens, was a head coach with the Jets, was a head coach with the Buffalo Bills there for a couple seasons as well, and has most recently for the last six seasons been a analyst for ESPN over doing their Sunday NFL countdown leading up to the games on Sundays. Both Katwika and Mike Westhoff have previous experience working with Rex Ryan. Is this a potential connection to maybe try to bring like a like a lure rex ryan to become the next defensive coordinator for the denver broncos we're driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all don't search match with indeed indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. 
Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. So I don't think that you're you have to make hires for your special teams unit to lure your defensive coordinator. That's that's just my personal opinion. I think if they if Rex wants the jobs wants a job, I don't think who they hire on special teams is going to matter a whole lot. I mean, if they wanted Rex Ryan and they needed to lure him, then they're going to look at guys that he really likes on the defensive side of the ball, the position coaches that he's going to be directly working with more consistently, and bring them in. Um, but it does seem that Rex Ryan's the favorite. Um, and I mean, having that having that connection obviously is a good thing. I'm just just to be clear here, just don't think that it's gonna be. I don't think they're being made to help lure him. Right. Um, Rex Ryan is for me. He'd be. I don't want to say he's. I said that he would be an underwhelming hire yesterday on Twitter, and a lot of people took it like I would absolutely hate the hire. And I want to be clear, I wouldn't hate the hire of Rex Ryan. I think he's a very good defensive coach. Right. It's just under. It's just underwhelming to me because of some of the other guys that Denver has been linked with. Are, that are just a little more, you know, impressive to me with the potential they have and not necessarily the resume, but with what, what can happen with them going forward. As I think Rex Ryan is pretty, pretty topped out with what he's going to be doing with the defense. So that's just my opinion, but I like it. Um, but yeah, to answer the question, I don't think they were made to help lure Rex Ryan. It will be interesting too, real quick. Rex Ryan flat out said that Russell Wilson is washed and not fixable. So if he gets the job, that would be very interesting to see in team meetings because, you know, Russell Wilson still the quarterback there. Yeah. You can get away with saying a lot of things on TV and a lot of things like on social media and stuff like that. But when you have to like step up and answer the bell, when you step face to face with someone that you've literally talked trash with over and over again, multiple different times, it can create a definitely awkward situation. We've got a question here that I want to grab going back to special teams really fast. Joe Brewer says, has Denver ever been great on special teams? Um, first things first, David Yunkin jumps in here and says, yes, back in 1998, 1999, those special teams units were 
high quality Darian Gordon. Let's not forget Darian Gordon was a high quality punt returner and kickoff returner there for a while. Olandis Gary also handled some uh, special teams reps back in the early 2000s as well. But then the big one here, Dylan Von Arch jumping in here and saying that 2015 was a pretty, pretty damn good special teams unit, man. They forced a lot of fumbles and they were very, very good in terms of coverage guys. So um, (laughs) like the Broncos have been good. This just hasn't been good here for quite a while. We've got Mac jumping in here. What's up, Mac? Thank you for joining us. This is a new name for me and Eric. I'm fairly certain I don't like I'm fairly certain a new name for you as well. Hey there. I'm listening over here in Sutherland, UK. Just a quick question. Will the Broncos draft or acquire a running back in free agency? Dudes, UK, thank you for staying up late to join us tonight. We really appreciate that. And Eric, let's go to free agency really fast. There's a couple of big names here. Obviously, Saquon Barkley, Tony Pollard. Um, Joe Mixon sounds like he could be a potential cut candidate. Are the Broncos looking in free agency to upgrade? Or are they looking towards the draft? I think they're looking at both. With the uncertainty about Devonta Williams, you don't want to roll with just a rookie, but at the same time, you don't want to have a rookie on the on the roster. So I think they're going to bring in a free agent, maybe two, maybe one of that. Like, I don't want to say a big free agent. I'm not sure they're going to go out and they're going to spend big on it. I know Miles Sanders was projected as Michael Ronquillo mentions, I know he was projected as, you know, a guy, a good fit for them, but I think pro football focus and Nick has an article up on it on milehighhuddle.com. Um, I don't think, I don't think they'll go big uh, for a running back. Um, I think that they will try to, you know, entice a couple guys, maybe, you know, that, that third tier guys, maybe bring back Latavius Murray, fully expecting them to cut Chase Edmonds, maybe look at bringing him back and then also drafting another guy because they need a lot of bodies in there. They're losing a lot of pe- a lot of players in free agency. A lot of them are dealing with injuries. It's not just Javante Williams. Demaria Crockett's dealing with an injury as well. So they got to get a lot of bodies in, and you're, they're not going to do it with just one way or the other. I don't disagree with you. And this running back class is actually very, very good, especially in the middle rounds. You've got guys like uh, – uh, Zach Charbonnet from UCLA. You've got Sean Tucker from Syracuse. Ty J Spears, a guy that I really like from uh, from Tulane. Uh, Devon Achain from Texas A and M. It's a, a, like a shifty, speedy back. So there's definitely some some very good options to take a look at on day two and early day three if you're looking to to fill a need at the running back position and kind of not necessarily take the wheel while Javante Williams returns from his injury, but also be able to kind of relieve a little bit of the stress from a veteran guy like a Marlon Mack, like a Latavius Murray. So I I think that quite honestly, they're going to go in both different directions here. I want to jump back to the chat here really fast because uh, Nat jumping in saying that he really wants Rex Ryan, but I also want to grab this question again from Mac joining over from UK saying, will Rex Ryan turn passer tan into a better Darrell Revis? And I think Eric, this is a really good opportunity for us to do our Dove Valley deep divers thing and kind of break down what Rex Ryan used to do as a defensive coordinator. Now, mind you guys, he's been out of the NFL for six seasons, obviously as an analyst over at ESPN, but you can always go back and find tape. And with what Rex Ryan typically liked to do, Eric, I want you to kind of relay a little bit with what he used to do in terms of what he could potentially bring to the Broncos now and how the potential pieces that he has on this defense fit with what he brings. Well, one thing that he he really got brought to it was, and I know Scott's going to yell at me after the pod for this one, but simulated pressures were a big thing that Rex Ryan really started is what he really brought into it. 
lining up a bunch of guys on the line of scrimmage and then dropping some back and just trying to keep the quarterback guys in point. There's a lot that he brought to the NFL that is still being used today. And so it's like, and this was one thing. One of my concerns from is how long he's been out of the NFL, but it doesn't mean his scheme is archaic. doesn't mean it's so out of date. It doesn't mean that he can't work. It's just the NFL has changed in different ways. The main coverage aspect of it, back then it was a big time cover three. And as far as I can remember, that wasn't really his, that wasn't really Rex Ryan's thing, but it wasn't, he also wasn't big in that too high. He was very much mix it up. And one thing with Rex Ryan that has always been said, is his defense were always one of the most complicated defenses to learn. Mm-hmm. It was a big issue in Buffalo. Multiple players after he was fired after the 2016 season came out and talked about how it was way too complicated and he refused to sit there and make it easier for them. He just tries to do so much on defense and just take things out of everything. Four, three, four, three under looks, three, four, three, four looks, um, four, six looks, penny looks, bear looks. Like he just pulls everything and tries to mash it all together and make it work. Which is another concern I have for concern I have of him. I also have a concern with how aggressive he is, and he's not a guy who tempers back that aggression or yeah. times his aggression. He is aggressive from the first snap to the last, and he doesn't ease up, and consistently brings multiple guys after the quarterback, which you can't do against the likes of Justin Herbert and Patrick Mahomes. That said, who knows how much he will have grown and adapted and everything? Even though he's an older coach during his time away, of like okay. That stuff got me in trouble here. I'm going to I'm going to scale back the playbook a little bit. I'm not going to have it be as complicated. I'm really going to lean into this cut into this too high safety stuff that the NFL is going towards because it's what is successful against a lot of these top quarterbacks. And he can still do what he does on the outside with his with his corners, leaving them in, on an island often, especially with Patrick Sertan, leaving on an island against it. So a lot of what he did, he can still do. It's just that how. I'm a big guy on I'll believe it when I see it. And so there's a lot that he still has to improve and change. And I'll believe it when I see it. Phil comes in with some stars saying, good evening, Lance, Eric, and Deacon Scott. Like Rex as a possible. Hashtag go Broncos. Hashtag Buckham. Thank you, Phil. We appreciate that. I hope you had a wonderful birthday. Um, We're glad that you are joining us as always. And yeah, I mean, last thing real quick is Rex Ryan of the candidates that are really still available with Brian Flores having taken the Minnesota job. Rex Ryan is probably my second or third choice. He just still would be an underwhelming hire to me. I don't disagree with that. And I guess a big thing with um, with Rex Ryan, and not to continue this conversation too long, because there's a couple of guys I also want to get get to, and Michael Ronquillo has one of them, and we'll get that here in just a second. But with Rex Ryan, how much did he learn? in terms of being away from the game, being an analyst and watching as much tape as you're supposed to do as an analyst, which isn't necessarily as much as you do as a coach. But if you're being a national analyst, you have to understand what's going on in the NFL currently. A lot of the trend in the NFL currently is double high safeties and rotating safeties, a lot of cover four, a lot of uh, rotation cover three, rotation press man. Like They're all concepts that have been used for multiple years obviously defense is defense it's it's going to change for the most part but the biggest focus is rotating uh, rotating single high safeties or starting with double high safeties middle of the field open coverages rex ryan typically liked to run a lot of cover three or press man single high safety looks 
And the Broncos currently don't have a safety with enough range to play as a true single high post safety. And this is no disrespect to Justin Simmons, who I think has enough range to play um, a lot of different roles, but playing that single high role like an Ed Reed, which is what he used to do back in the early 2000s with the Baltimore Ravens, this being Rex Ryan here, it, it doesn't make sense to me. In terms of being a press man coverage cornerbacks on the outside, Damari Mathis, I think, plays really good press man. Pat Sertan, I think, is best served as a press man cornerback. That, to me, makes a lot of sense. But up front is really the big thing. The linebackers and how they simulate those pressures, how you have to drop a linebacker back into coverage in man pre- in man coverage, and also the four down front that he usually likes to run with the backside linebacker standing up as a potential edge rusher. Those, to me, are... Very interesting going with the personnel that the Broncos have moving forward, specifically with Draymond Jones, who plays primarily as that five technique, that four-eye technique, a guy that attacks the B-gaps. And we've gone back and forth on this um, multiple different ways. But when you're losing Mike Purcell due to age and potentially just being on the outs, uh, Deshaun Williams is a guy that is on the outs as a free agent this season. You've got DJ Jones and then uh, Randy Gregory on the backside, Baron Brown as well, uh, Baron Browning as well. Do the Broncos have the personnel up front that can actually do what this defense requires of them? When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Well, that's the other thing is that with what Rex Ryan really liked on his defensive line, the NFL's kind of shifted away from those guys a little bit. Mm-hmm. He really loved the big boys up front on his three down linemen being the big guys, like being 315 plus that they're two gapping pretty much across the line. They're sitting there holding, they're eating up space or eating up guards for your edge rushers. And that's just the way, that's just not how the NFL is generally speaking anymore. And NFL offenses have really figured out ways to attack it. And so it's the NFL is getting smaller and faster on the offense and mm-hmm. defense is reflecting that. Gone are the days of the 255-plus-pound linebackers um, going down to 230, 240-pound linebackers. I mean, 245 is considered big now for linebackers. Mm-hmm. And Ryan loved those 250-pound guys. Yep. Um, so it's just a thing of that you got to figure out – he's got to figure out if he's the guy – of how to adjust what he wants to do for the modern NFL, for the modern, for how it's changed with the size, the athleticism aspect of it and making it work. And we've seen pictures, we've seen how it can. Again, a lot of defenses, Vic Fangio's has a, a, has a big hand on how NFL defenses are being played now, but so does Rex Ryan. Mm-hmm. And so we've seen how it can work of going with these smaller guys. And so the, 
the blueprints right there for him of being able to make it work with these smaller guys and not needing three 320 plus pounds defensive linemen in front of you for your edge rushers and your edge rushers having to be 260 plus pounds like right. we've seen it it's just a matter of can he do it and again i'm a big guy of i'll believe it when i see it kind of thing um but yeah it, it's all right there in front of him it's just a matter of doing it yeah, it, just recognizing the talent that you have and understanding that you have to have guys that can still be able to play with weight in the A-gaps uh, in terms of the linebacker position as blitzers, but also be able to turn and run, which the Broncos currently don't have on this roster. Uh, pivoting off of Rex Ryan here, we'll grab another one here from Michael Ronquillo. Uh, Vance Joseph's interview with the Broncos has ended. He spent eight hours today with the Denver Broncos. This one, to me, is a very ho-hum hire. Um, not only from his stint with the Broncos, but also with his stints in Miami as a defensive coordinator in the past couple of seasons with the Arizona Cardinals. Innovative is something that you can really like throw out there as a word of what he does defensively, but also at the same time, it's also a, a handful of crazy. 0-6-5 fronts. We're talking a lot of linebackers on the field and a lot of cornerbacks and safeties. Um, it. Joseph, to me, is probably the one hire that I don't want the Broncos to make, specifically after his – we had so many good days of practice this week and he couldn't figure out what necessarily to do. I I, I didn't necessarily like listening to him speak. Uh, I didn't think he had control of the room. And there's a lot more criticisms other than that for Vance Joseph, but I want to bounce this one off of you, man. What do you think? Is, is Vance a, a viable option for the Broncos this season? Well, he is, and before getting to Joseph, I think that somebody asked a question about Sean Desai, and I think it's worth mentioning here, mm -hmm. is that it mm -hmm. seems like Sean Desai was the favorite. It seemed like it was going to be him or Brian Flores. Brian Flores quickly jumped at the job at, in, Min in Minnesota, and Sean Desai, from everything that's going about, really has his eyes set on the Arizona job. Mm -hmm. So he seems to kind of be out of it. So that really leaves you with Chris Ricard, um, Vance Joseph, or Rex Ryan. Now, Vance Joseph as a defensive coordinator is my least favorite option. I don't think he's a terrible option. One, you get all the memes back from when he was a head coach. You, you, those, <laughs> all those still come back. Those are all relevant. That, that's just great for me. He's uh, having the time of his life. Exactly. <laughs> but I have plenty of concerns. I have more concerns about him, which is why he's the least guy. And people want to talk about how Arizona's defense really fell apart this last year, and they did. But, I mean, they were the 10th-ranked unit in 2020. They were the 6th-ranked unit in 2021. Like, he did some good things there. He took right. over the 28th-ranked unit and turned them into the 20th-ranked unit. Right. His love for for positionless linebackers is mind-boggling to me because he tried no, that in Denver with both of the players. Um, he tried that, you know, with um, – Isaiah Simmons, and mm -hmm. then um, uh, Zayvon Collins. They're in Arizona, mm -hmm. and those guys have been kind have been you know leaning on that bus side of things. So that would that's a concern of mine is you know how the talent that he wants to utilize that he hasn't really figured out how to fully utilize. Um, but some of what he does on defense, it's very risky. Um, it's but he there's a lot of times where he it pays off. So. I don't think it'd be a terrible hire. It just would be of the ones that are there. It's available that they're talking to. It's just the worst one for me. I think there's much worse candidates, but there's better ones also. Right. And 
I believe he was the uh, second year there with Hassan Reddick, speaking of positionless, positionless linebackers and not exactly knowing what to do with him as well. Um, it, to me, I, I don't necessarily want to talk a whole bunch of trash on the guy because he's in the NFL I'm not, and I'm not, but that would be probably the most underwhelming hire for, for me yeah. as well. Um, Sean Desai, obviously, like you said, is in, in the discussion for that. Um, there was another name, Rollis, Nick, Nick Rollis, I think is his name. The linebacker coach for the Eagles, yeah. Yes, um, yeah. Come on, I can pull up his. I, he, he's I don't one that know. seems to be – he's another one of those that is very much in line for, like, Arizona or Indianapolis. I mean, he's mm-hmm. really close to, with the new head coach in Arizona, Jonathan Gannon. Um, so a lot of people are expecting that even if he's not the defense coordinator, he's going to go join that staff in some way or not. Um, trying to see if I can't find the name here. Nick Rallis, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, he's a young guy, hasn't been in the NFL for very long. Um, he's like he's young, well younger than me. Like he's in his late twenties, I believe. Wow. Okay. Um, I may be mistaken on that, but I think that's what I saw on Twitter when somebody mentioned it. Um, but I mean, he's an interesting guy. He's definitely a young one. Um, so it'd be interesting to see how he can handle some of the personalities that the Broncos have on defense and, um, you know, balancing out that aspect of being friendly to them and still being a, hey, I'm the boss. But yeah, I think that, I think he's destined for some, some position in Arizona with his connection with Gannon. Yeah. Chris Richard is the one uh, that you had mentioned a little bit ago. He is a former secondary coach. I believe he was also a defensive coordinator there after Dan Quinn left from um, the Seattle Seahawks. I know he took over as a defensive coordinator there. Uh, He's a secondaries coach right now in New Orleans and has worked with Sean Payton before. And I believe he spent some time as a secondary coach and maybe even as a defensive coordinator in Dallas as well. Um, Mostly cover three guy uh, off the Dan Quinn tree is there any opportunity of him potentially coming on as a defensive assistant here in Denver? I mean, there's a chance that you can get him in for a couple different different positions. You could split up. See, there's one guy that I absolutely think that has to stay on the stay on the coaching staff, and that's Christian mm-hmm. Parker mm-hmm. Um, as your defensive backs coach. But I mean, you could split it split them up, and you can give Chris Richard like safeties and passing game coordinator, and Christian Parker your cornerbacks coach, but. That can that could lead some issues there with Christian Parker, and so I think that there at there's some somewhere on the staff there's room for Chris Richard if it's not as defensive coordinator. Um, Sean Payton seems close to him; they have a connection, everything like that, and he's shown the ability to adapt his defense. Mm-hmm. Um, he's gone away from the heavy cover three stuff that they that right, he yeah. was before during, there in Dallas when he was a defensive coordinator there. Um, or sorry, def- the passing game coordinator. He wasn't a defensive coordinator. Um, that was a big thing of that and theirs. They wanted to go away from it a little bit. Um, so he's shown the ability to adapt it, especially with his time in, I mean, again, not calling plays since the Saints, but they went away from it and he's picked up some of that. So he, he's interesting. Um, a lot of cover, cover two and uh, cover four. Um, Michael Ron Curry came in really quick. Ron Curry is out. This is unfortunate going to flip into the offensive side of the ball. Ron Curry yeah. was my favorite option for the offense coordinator job. Mm-hmm. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, 
which is music to his ears. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Yeah, he was the uh, the quarterbacks coach and the pass game coordinator for the Saints for over the last couple of seasons. Had uh, some experience with Sean Payton as well, so kind of understands exactly what Sean Payton wants to do in terms of uh, dialing up the uh, the pass game concepts and stuff like that, which is a far contrast from what Russ Wilson wants to do. So losing out on him is really the biggest blow to this coaching staff right now. Joe Lombardi seems to be the guy that they are kind of looking at, or at least all the rumors are pointing at as the offensive coordinator here. But I'm very, I'm starting to get a little bit worried in terms of what this offensive staff is going to look like. Obviously the Broncos have heard Zach Streif, a former offensive lineman for uh Sean Payton back in his Saints days from I think he was drafted 2006 and played seven or eight different years for for the Saints as a guard, a uh, high quality player as well, uh, and then kind of grew into a coaching role underneath Payton and then over this last season was an assistant offensive line coach for the uh, for the Saints. He's going to get the job here in Denver, but outside of that, there's really very little news on this offensive coaching staff, and I'm curious as to why that is. One big name that I'm like most intrigued by is Zach Azani, the wide receivers coach, who was potentially on his way out this last season. The Broncos were looking in a different direction, and I forget the guy's name that actually took the job as the wide receivers coach in Dallas this last season. But Zach Azani, a guy that is widely respected in the locker room, is a very good quality wide receivers coach. Um, is his tenure in Denver pretty much over at this point? I mean, it uh, it all depends. As you said, they're being a little bit slow hiring the coach, which is hiring the coaching staff, which nothing wrong with that. Um, I wish they'd speed up on the coordinator aspect of it a little bit, but mm-hmm. it is it is what it is. And I think, and Sean Payton, I mean, he's really going through. He's got a lot of connections connections when it comes to hiring coaching. I mean, and so taking his time and everything. I do think that they were looking at, they're trying to get a couple guys away from the Saints still that he wants to bring with him. Um, I do think that Ronald Curry, obviously, he was a big part of part of their plans in some way, but he formed them. He's staying. Joe Lombardi, he's got a big connection there with it. Expectation, he's going to be the offensive coordinator. Um, but I mean, off, offensive coordinator for Sean Payton is, you know, I don't want to say a meaningless job, but it's going to be Sean Payton's offense. He's going to lead a lot mm-hmm. of the team meetings. Mm-hmm. The game plan is going to be a lot of him. So it, it's, I would, I would say it's not exactly the most desirable job. Because you're going to have the same issue that Eric um, Eric B had in Kansas City with mm-hmm. underneath Andy Reid, a same concern that you know was there with Nathaniel Hackett last year, coming out from Green Bay under Lafleur with Aaron Rodgers, and so on and so forth. All these quarterbacks that or these co- offensive coordinators that have a offensive minded head coach with a good quarterback, like they just get viewed differently. Um, so the Broncos' job on offense isn't exactly the most desirable, and. So, I mean, got to stick with the guy you know, I guess, is kind of what it seems it's to be heading to, and that's that's Joe Lombardi. Zach Gazzani, it, it all depends because it's got a trickle-down effect of offensive coordinator, who do they want to keep, who does your head coach want to keep. Like, you're, you're going to want coaches that mesh together and can work well together, and so can Zach Gazzani mesh with all of them, or is it a thing of that he needs to go? And he's got He had a couple of interviews. And they're letting him talk to other teams, even for a lateral move. They're letting him go out and talk with other teams and gauge gauge interest. So definitely one to watch an eye on. If he leaves, he leaves. He's a good coach. Um, 
but it's not one that I'm going to be torn up over if he does leave personally. I think there needs to be a different voice in that room right now, quite honestly. And it not, this is no slight to Zach Azani. I think that it, it's gotten a little bit stale over the last couple of seasons. He was hired, I believe um, back right before it was right after Demarius Thomas was traded on um, the season after that, I believe he's kind of come up with Cortland Sutton, come up with, uh, with KJ Hamler, Jerry Judy, Tim Patrick, like all those guys. And I, and I think there's, it, it's time for a new voice in that room just to kind of reshift the focus for, for guys like that. Um, Jerry Judy obviously took a, a big step forward towards the latter half of last season. So for him to kind of lose that guy, but I, I think there needs to be more of a disciplinarian aspect in that wide receiver room. And that's just my personal opinion on that. Um, I think it's time now we're what 35 minutes into the show and we've pretty much hashed out everything that we know in terms of the, uh, the, the coaching staff and everything that we've heard, uh, reports and stuff like that. Let's do what we do here on the Dove Valley Deep Divers podcast, Eric, let's dive into the NFL draft. And obviously the Broncos don't have a first round pick or a second round pick this year. And they're going to get picks number, I believe it's 67 and 68, technically 68 and 69. Nice. Uh, but uh, in the third round, they've got a fourth round pick, got a fifth round pick and a couple of six round picks, I do believe. So five total picks for the Denver Broncos this season. We're going to start taking a look and more of a deeper dive into potential players that the Broncos could be looking at here in the NFL draft. And first things first, we've got a question jumping in here from Dr. Steve Brule, MD. First things first, Steve, thank you for joining us. He says, thoughts on running back Israel Abanacanda from Pittsburgh. Is this a guy that the Broncos could potentially be looking at in terms of a replacement for a guy like Octavius Murray, um, Chase Edmonds, you know, just to kind of fill out the room. Probably not a third round pick. I think day three. What do you think on Israel Abanacanda? Well, I like him. I think I can actually pull it up real quick. He ended up as a top 125 pick for me currently. Of course, that's subject to change depending on certain things that happen with the combine. Not huge movement ever for me, but I mean, if a guy, if I have a guy running four or five and he goes out there and runs four eight, you know, that's going to be a hit. I like him. I like what he can bring to the team. And again, it's one of those guys that, hey, it's a running back and we need a lot of running backs. I'm trying to pull up my notes on him real quick so I can really give my thoughts on him. But yeah, I liked what he did. And whenever I watched um, their watch the pit offense, he's a guy that always that pretty consistently stuck out to me. Mm -hmm. He's got pretty good. He's got good size. Like he's mm -hmm. more than willing as a pass blocker. I mean, he, he can contribute on special teams as a gunner, as a returner. He's not afraid to be physical, but he's got he's got good quickness. Um, in my notes, he didn't have really great speed to, you know, break off those long ones consistently, but he's got good bursts. He's got quick acceleration and he has a really good ability to stop and go and mm -hmm. um, make those one cuts and get upfield. So he can work. I mean, he's not, I don't think he's really full on set to be a bell cow type running back, but I mean, he's a guy that he could work with one or two other running backs and then come in and be the number two guy when Javante Williams is back. I really like him, and he's really in a what's a really good running back class. He's one that's really going under the radar. He really is, and the the one thing that you kind of mentioned on, I want to kind of expand on a little bit because I've watched a lot of Pittsburgh. Um, I, I really like their defensive tackle Kalijah Kansi, um, and also uh, Habakkuk Baldonado. He's an edge defender that they have. Servasia Dennis is another player that former, I like. Uh, former MMA what? guy, born in Greece. Yes, yep. very uh, super athlete. But I mean, just not a football player at the moment. 
Yeah, Habakkuk Baldonado. Yes. Um, but with uh, with Israel Abanaconda, like when you talk about a guy that is is quality pass protector, he likes to actually step up in the hole and meet guys. He's not scared and is not going to shy away from contact doing that. And that's one of the big traits that you like to look at in terms of running backs in pass protection is are they willing to go and meet that contact? Because guys that like to sit back and catch catch a rushing linebacker or a rushing edge defender, they usually get blown back into the quarterback. You've got to have a guy that goes and steps up and gets that contact, meets it face-to-face, and then and just drops his pad level and creates a forceful contact. So that's something that really stood out to me when I watched him. Um, I want to go kind of just run through a whole bunch of different things. Any other running backs that really stand out to you in terms of uh, third or fourth round prowess? Another guy that I really like is Sean Tucker out of Syracuse. Yeah, he's another guy. He's actually ranked just above um, a Banaconda. I got a bunch of that name. One of those names that I just can't pronounce. I haven't practiced it yet. Um, he's ranked right above him. I, I like Sean Tucker. A guy that I really like, if you want an explosive guy who can, as long as you can keep him clean, Evan Hall out of Northwestern, I really like a lot. Mm-hmm. He showed a lot to me at the Senior Bowl. I mean, he's just mm-hmm. so quick, and he's a small dude who makes himself even smaller between the line, um, between the tackles. And I really like, I, I really like what he showed. Um, Tajay Spears, you know, he's one of my, he's going to be one of my favorites. I like Chase Brown out of Illinois. Mm-hmm. If you're willing to take a risk with the injury history and the age, Muhammad Ibrahim. Out of Minnesota, mm-hmm. he's a guy that's worth taking a look. Um, but a lot's going to depend on how he comes back clear. Again, I can rattle on about the running backs in this class because it is such a strong running back class. I mean, yeah, you have what you have your clear top two guys, and the depth for it is just it's it's great. It, and the depth starts at around like 50 overall, and it runs through about the top 150. Like there's there's a lot of players like here. Uh, another guy that I like, and I know that Nick has brought up a couple of different times as a change of pace running back um, that's just a lightning jitterbug is Devin Ashane. From, I, I believe that's how you pronounce his name is Devin Ashane um, from, from Texas A&M. This dude is lightning quick. He's probably going to run in the four twos. Like this dude is super, super fast. But the problem is, He's tiny. He's like 5'8", 195 pounds, if that. Like, and He's a great receiver out of the backfield. You just get the ball to him in space and just let him go to work, man. Like, There's a lot of very good running backs in, the, in this class in the third, fourth, and fifth round, and I'm very excited to really dive into them. I've got my scouting list about 350 players long right now that I still have to double do cross checks on yours and uh, get the the finalized list that I've got to take a look at. But those are some guys that I've taken a look at so far that I really think would be quality targets for the Broncos in the third and fourth round. Um, Another big need for this Broncos team is as Nat jumps in here saying uh, a lot of linebackers need more speed nowadays and coverage skills. Eric, you and I talked earlier this morning about a specific linebacker from the University of Utah, formerly of the University of Florida. Mahmoud Diabate is his name. Um, Very tall, very long, not really the smoothest player, but very nice, long speed, very good base underneath him, man. What do you think of Mahmoud Diabate in terms of being a coverage linebacker in the NFL? Well, I mean, that's that's a strength. That's going to be a strength coming into the NFL. It's going to be on the coverage side of things. Um, he just gets washed out against the run pretty consistently. Mm-hmm. If you can sort through the trash and get to the ball carrier, then then you can expect something from him. But blockers get their hands on him. He's just completely out of it. He's one of the guys that I picked. I viewed as you know a big time combine combine snub. Yeah. Um, a lot of people that I've talked to, a lot of you know 
other other scouts, um, public media scouts, I guess would be the best way to put it. A lot of their boards, they're all talking about him as a top 125 pick. Mm-hmm. Um, I haven't gone through and settled down my linebackers yet, so I'm not sure where he's where he's going to fall for me personally. But I mean, he's one of the two highest rated players that I've seen and heard from uh, that that wasn't invited to the combine. Antonio Mafia uh, is an offensive guard out of UCLA. He's the other one. Um, Carl Brooks also, I guess, so three. But, um, yeah, he, he's a covered guy. He's going to be a covered and special teams guy and not the smoothest, as you said, but he's got really good awareness, and he can translate that to his movement ability. So he, he, he seems smoother than he actually is just because his, his reactions are quite good. So he's an interesting guy. I don't think that third round he's the guy for me. Um, I'm not even entirely sure fourth round at the moment. But, I mean, not with where Denver sits in the fourth round anyways. Um, but, again, that's just the thing of maybe you reach a little bit just because where your next pick is. But I, I like him. I liked him a lot as well. Uh, the one thing that really st- stuck out to me was his hip fluidity. And there are some times where moving backwards and away from the ball, he doesn't turn and run quite as well as you want him to. He's also super long in his lower half. Like, his, his hips are a little bit high and – like change of direction and transitions are not great, but he has a lot of long speed and super rangy. Like when he steps and goes and he actually accelerates and gets that, those long strides going, he covers a lot of ground. And to me, that's something that you can utilize in terms of coverage, but also in terms of um, just being a, being a coverage linebacker in terms of turning and running with, uh, with tight ends and running backs coming out of the backfield. I think that that's probably the best way that you utilize a guy like him. Now, folks, We've gone away from the chat here, but I want your guys' opinions. Give us a bunch of names, guys, guys that you're interested in, um, whether it's at the linebacker position, the running back position, offensive linemen you want us to kind of talk about here, uh, maybe some tight ends as well, wide receivers, anybody you guys want us to kind of take a shout out at and ask us some questions. Let's have some fun here over the last 15 minutes of this show and really open up this conversation in terms of not only just third round prospects and guys that you, you want to hear about, but maybe some later round prospects that we can kind of test Eric's knowledge on here just a little bit. Um, let's see here. Uh, Got to jump through this really fast. Any prospects from Wyoming this year? No, but there is, this is Malcolm Brown jumping in here. Uh, any prospects from Wyoming this year? Uh, there's, there's one Titus Swen is a running back from Wyoming. Um, not enough long speed, but uh, diff- definitely a nifty runner between the tackles. I, I like his physicality. I like his lower center of gravity. Um, Eric, I know that you and I kind of went back and forth on him before, but there's another player that you just released a scouting report on that's a former running back from Wyoming, just spent this last season at Arizona State and spent some time at the Shrine Bowl a couple of weeks ago in Zazavian Valade, man. What do you think about Zazavian Valade? Uh, yeah, I really liked him. You guys can go check out his scouting report on milehighhuddle.com. Um, he's a guy who every time I watched him, he seemed to be falling forward, which is one thing that I really like. I don't like mm-hmm. running backs that get stood up and then end up going backwards. Um, when I watched the Shrine game, it was like every time he touched the ball, he was picking up five, six yards at least. Uh, I, I was expecting to see a little bit more long speed in games that I saw, but he's he's got some good bursts and explosion. He's a quick accelerator. He, he's a one cut gutter kind of guy that you, you want to get out laterally. And, you know, spread out the defense, open up that hole and have them cut and just essentially go up the gut of the defense a little bit. Um, so I, I like him. Um, I didn't see enough as a pass blocker um, off the top of my head. Um, as a receiver, I mean, 
he's fine as a receiver. He's not great by any means. His routes aren't great. His hands aren't the most reliable. Um, so he's got a well-rounded skill set, well-rounded skill set to be part of a um, committee at running back, but probably best as that third guy in the group. Um, yeah. That's there to get you know five to ten touches at most um, from your running back position. So the nice thing about being a Wyoming fan and watching a lot of Wyoming games is you got to see Titus Swin and you also got disease as avian validate in the same backfield. And there was a lot of times where Titus Swin was actually subbed out on third down plays where not that Wyoming threw the ball very often, but when you needed a guy to step up in pass protection, Titus Swin was the guy that actually stepped, stepped up and took into that role just because he's stronger at the point of attack has a little bit lower center of gravity and has that physicality that you like from your running back, stepping up into the hole and, and taking on linebackers and stuff. Xavier Valade probably more change of pace than Swin is going to be. And I agree with you. Um, he's got a well-rounded skill set, but not a guy you're looking at in terms of a, I don't know if you're going to pick him in the top 200, quite honestly. Uh, probably a, a late day three pick, maybe undrafted free agent kind of a guy. Uh, Michael Ronquillo jumping in here with another another question here. Lance and Eric, any cornerbacks you guys like in this 2023 NFL draft to be developed behind PS2? Well, how about you develop another one behind Damari Mathis, man? What do you think, Eric? I mean, yeah, it's what it's one of the stronger position groups in it, and I think there's a lot of – a lot of cornerbacks that can be had in day one, day two, and early day three. It's got really good depth. It's got some good talent at the t- – excuse me. He's got some really good talent at, at the top. Um, and, man, the, the senior bowl really showcased quite a few of those guys. Um, Darius Rush out of South Carolina, like, he just had a great mm-hmm. week. Earliest Brents had a great week. Riley Moss, um, he had a great week at the senior bowl. I mean, those are guys that you're probably looking second or third round – I think Riley Moss will probably be there in the third in the third round that Denver could look at him. His speed is great, and he's a guy that, despite the talk that you're going to play him at, at safety, I think he answered he should be given a shot at corner first. Mm-hmm. Um, there's Deontay Banks out of Maryland. There's Emmanuel Forbes out of Mississippi State. Like, There's a lot of guys, and not all of them are guys that will need to be have a year developed. There are guys that can come in and compete with Mathis right away to be the starter opposite Patrick Sertan. So they just got that much talent and ability in them that they're, I mean, they're, they'll be rough patches as there is with any rookie, but you, they, there's enough to go out there and start right away. I mean, Keely Ringo out of Georgia, I have some issues with issues with him, and he's a guy that seems to be dropping a little bit, but he's a great athlete. If you can clean up his mm-hmm. technique, he can be a great pick. Mm-hmm. Um, Tyreek Stevenson out of Miami, DJ Turner mm-hmm. out of Michigan. like Caillou Blue like, Kelly, Mike like, Dude out of Stanford. Sorry, sorry, I didn't mean to step on you. Yeah, I was saying Caillou Blue Kelly. Um, like Clark Phillips, Makai Blackman. Like, I can go on and on just with edges, running backs, and corners. Those are the three strongest drafts or classes in this draft. They're all great. They're all probably going to see, I'd say, probably at least 70% of the total guys that get drafted in those position groups will probably be in the top 50 or top 150. I don't, I don't disagree with that at all. And you, and you, you also have to add in the tight end class, which is just stacked from the top down. You got Michael Mayer, who everyone yeah. seemingly is. Uh, well, let me run through some names here really yeah. fast. For you. you've got, you got Michael Mayer, who everyone seemingly is like a top fifteen pick in this class. I'm not. I'm all the way out on that. Like he's a second round player in my opinion. Uh, Dalton Kincaid, Luke Musgrave. You got Tucker Craft there as well. Um, the uh, damn it. The, the Eastern Washington kid. Um, you've got Sam Laporta in there as well. Uh, uh, 
Darnell Washington. Like there's, there's a lot of players that you can see coming out of the top 100 at the tight end position that are going to be very quality players. Hell, you could see three tight ends go very easily in the first 20 picks or when I first 32 picks started. So, uh, from 20 to 32, you could see Michael Mayer go, you could see Dalton Kincaid go, and you could see Luke Musgrave go all within the, the from 20 to 32 based on just team needs and the, the ability of those, uh, those three players. Um, but the, the cornerback position is so much fun. I, I think that with, in regards to Deontay Banks coming out of Maryland, um, Emmanuel Forbes from Mississippi state, those guys are probably going to be out of the reach of the Broncos. But a guy that I really like is Julius Brents out of Kansas state. This kid is super long. He's super athletic. He's super physical. He's super competitive. This kid is just so much fun to watch. And he had one hell of a week at the senior bowl, man. What give me some expanded thoughts on Julius Brents in your, in your opinion, based on what you've seen him in so far. So going into the senior bowl, he had to show a little bit more scheme versatility. There was a lot of concerns that he was going to be scheme limited, that he wasn't going to be, um, not wasn't going to be as smooth and be a little too grabby when it came to man coverage that so you want to keep him off a little bit and playing zone more. But I mean, he went out there and he absolutely smoked it in one-on-one drills where you're playing man coverage every single rep. He absolutely smoked it. He towed the line with physicality. Um, there are times where his timing with when he let go using his hands to, you know, sit there and kind of like um, pick at the wide receivers through the routes he, he just – he towed the line. Like, he never crossed it to where he drew a flag, but he didn't let the receivers go and have easy routes either where they're, they're just able to run through him. Um, he is um, – as far as I can remember of the senior bowl, he's one of the few guys that I've ever seen in one-on-one drills where the quarterback didn't even throw the ball. Like, yeah. and I, I remember the drill. He shut the guy down. He was sitting – standing in front of him, and the quarterback just tossed it back to the coach, and that was the end of the drill this year. Um only time I can ever, I can off the top of my head I can remember that happening. Uh, he's so good. He's so physical. He's so long. He's and I think that with showing the versatility, he's a guy that I think unfortunately will have worked his way out of the Broncos' range. But outside of you know blue collar guys like the top of the top, never want to say for sure they're going to be gone because last year I mean we didn't think Travis Jones was going to be there in the third last year. So yeah. defensive lineman out of UConn. And there he was. We didn't think Nicobe Dean was going to be there in the third round. There he was. So yeah, players fall. Too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So don't want to be too certain that there won't be there. It's just something I doubt. Yeah. Um, man, Brent's would be so much fun to watch on the other side of passer tan, just because the length and the fluidity of that dude, he's, he, I believe he measured in at like 82 and three eights in terms of wingspan. And Scott, I know you have those measurements behind the scenes, but like this dude is stupid long like like seven foot wingspan long it's crazy how long and he uses it to his advantage so well too he doesn't get grabby like you expect from guys that have that length like that he doesn't wrap up and like he just great ball skills at the point of attack it's so much fun to watch this guy play Uh, a couple specific guys here and i want to grab another quick question here from phil irish but first things first uh bbc jumps in here and says parker washington out of penn state eric go real fast I haven't done a lot on the Penn State offense, um, but what I have done, Parker Washington, let's see here, wasn't viewed too favorably. Oh no, he was a lot. He, I don't, I don't know where I don't have like my notes available for me at the moment. They're still in a notebook. I haven't put them up onto my computer yet. 
Um, but I had him as a top 150 player um, going into the combine. So I don't have the notes in front of me at the moment. They're currently sitting in a different room. Um, so I can't talk off the top of my head because I, I just can't remember him. Um, but yeah, I mean, he's a guy. What I do remember is that he's a guy that's probably going to be pushed into the slot and kept there. I, I have not watched Parker Washington, so BBC come back to us here um couple weeks at least, and, and we'll give you some thoughts on that. Uh, Ryan Powell jumps in quickly. Uh, D. Winters, linebacker from TCU. Uh, I've seen a little bit of him. St- stupid twitchy, stupid athletic, but super, super small. Eric, what do you think? Yeah, he, he's small. He gets bullied a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, just like even in, even in coverage, he gets bullied a lot. He's super quick, super athletic. Um, but it's just a matter of making it work in the NFL, which, hey, there's always room for athleticism. Um, but I mean, when you're so small, it's so easy for tight ends to bully him. And he was consistently targeted by Georgia in the national championship game. And there was a lot of success with D Winters. Um, if I'm remembering correctly, he may not, if he didn't, if he did, he may not have played now that I think about it. Um, don't fully remember. Uh, but I do remember that he, he was consistently picked on in coverage a little bit because of mm-hmm. his size and tight ends were just able to bully him a little bit and box him out from the uh, box him out from the ball. And then in the run game, it was basically as soon as anybody got their hands on him, he was done. There's ways you can use him. He'll probably be a killer special teams player. Oh, yeah. Uh, but there's just so much that you have to do, um, improve on getting him. You have to get him bigger and stronger to hold up on defense. And I'm just not sure he really has a frame for it either. I, I'm definitely in agreement with you. And if I'm not mistaken, he has really short arms too. Like he's, he's under 32 inch arms. So you not only have to deal with the the smaller height, the smaller weight, less for an athlete is his size and a player, his size, he's okay, but he's also super short in his arms. So there's a, a lot of limitations with a player like him moving towards the next level. Phil Irish coming in here with the question that everybody wants to know about the offensive line candidates, man. Um, we all know, like there's there's a report, rumor, whatever you want to call it, going around. The Broncos could be looking to move on from Garrett Bowles. Um, Dalton Reisner is a free agent. Graham Glasgow is a potential cut candidate unless he restructures his contract. We all know Lloyd Cushenberry ain't it. Uh, Quinn Miners is really the only starter that we have on the offensive line right now. And other than that, it's what, Cam Fleming and a bunch of – ouch. Um, Calvin Anderson as well. I want to give a shout-out to, uh, to my guy, Calvin Anderson. But – at the top of the third round, man, there's a couple of players that are are definitely there that really fit what the Broncos want to do offensively in terms of their offensive line. Um, the first one that I want to bring to you is a guy that I know that you were critical of coming into the Senior Bowl, but then when he got his opportunity to go and play out at the at the tackle position, uh, showed that he actually belongs out outside. Uh, Matthew Bergeron, the the left tackle from Syracuse, man. Let's talk about him really fast if you got a chance. Yeah, I mean, I think he can hold up as tackle. From what I've gathered, there's a lot that are still talking about moving him inside to guard mm-hmm. uh, just because, you know, the length of him isn't, you know, super ideal. Mm-hmm. Um, he's he's one of the few, like, worth it tackles that I think could be there at the top of the third round. Darnell Wright, I think he'll be going the top 60. Um, Jalen Duncan, he's probably there. There's, like, there's eight or nine tackles. I can't remember exactly off the top of my head that I have pegged as day one starters as rookies. Um, Bergeron is being the last one of them. And he's mm-hmm. the only one that I could see being there at the top of the third round. Um, I like him. He's quick. He's athletic. 
still could do to get a little bit stronger, um, especially at the point of the attack, which would hurt a little bit when it came to the running game for the NFL. Um, his one-on-ones were very back and forth. Um, there were multiple times that he, he didn't play with proper bend and his pad level got a little high and he gave up leverage. Um, but I, I like him. It's just there's still a lot that he's got to you know, still improve on. This is why we love having Eric Eric Trickle on Dove Valley Deep Divers and what we do here at Mile High Huddle because this dude has seen damn near everybody you want to throw out there. And speaking of another guy that I've seen as well, this dude out of TCU, interior offensive lineman, played left guard for the TCU Horned Frogs, uh, Steve Avila. Man, this dude is packed full of power. And Eric, you had a hot take coming out of the Senior Bowl with Steve Avila in, ter- in, uh, in terms of comparing him to a guy that's linked as a first-round pick, potentially top 25 overall pick in Osiris Torrance, man. Speak to this. Let's go. So, to be clear, my comment was that I wasn't <laughs> that I think Avila is better than Torrance. I prefer Avila than Torrance. I think Avila, yeah. I think he's got more versatility. Uh, and that's something for offensive linemen that always gives uh, gives them a boost. Torrance for me is still a top one or top fifty pick, um, if not top forty, top thirty. You know, borderline first round guy. Steve Avila, I think, is in that second tier, right behind him. Does a lot of the same stuff. Big, powerful guys that when they get their hands on you, you're not getting off of it. They have a really good anchor, and they can drop it quickly. Get your hands on you. They can toss you to the side. They have enough movement ability to climb vertically to get to the second level not ideal guys moving moving laterally um with the lateral agility i think that what i like about avila a little bit more is that he gives you the option of playing at center something he did at tcu before moving mm-hmm. over to guard um he showed up quite well there at the senior bowl um and torrance was just very is just very much just a guard i like them both i think both of them will be gone in the top in the first 60 picks at the very least so i want a, a- an answer to opinion on this. I, I haven't seen Osiris Torrance play left guard, but he's not playing center. He doesn't have the, the foot quickness there to even play the center position. Is he a right guard only? I, I think he can flip sides. So, okay. but that is something is switching sides is a big thing. The guy mm-hmm. has to be comfortable with it. Yep. Um, Jeff Schwartz on Twitter talks about all this time is that mm-hmm. he was much more comfortable on the, I believe it was on the right side. Then he got moved yep. over to the left side, like three plays after he got moved over he got hurt because the chemistry he had with the center was was off because of the flipping the side. He wasn't comfortable with it. And it just led to his leg being in the wrong place at the wrong time and having an injury. Yeah. And he's uh, and he's like not fully blaming the injury for it. He's just saying that comfort level of being on the on the side, it's a it's big for offensive linemen. And he's not the only offensive lineman to talk about that. Um so it depends on the comfort level for Torrance on if he flips sides or not. From what I have seen, he has the ability to flip sides. Um, it's just a matter of where is he more comfortable at. Yeah. A uh, couple of last ones here that I want to get for you. Uh, any round three or early day three safeties that you have your eyes on? Um, safeties, I haven't done a whole lot of work yet. It's one of the positions that I'm very far behind on. Mm-hmm. Um there was, there was a specific Joseph. question, and I, I, I can't remember the name that, that threw it out there. This is why I, I want to, to throw it out there. And Brandon Joseph is the name that I am with you on this. One, so I do apologize for interrupting you. Brandon Joseph, uh, I don't know Dame. He was a guy that was viewed as a first-round pick when he was at Northwestern, then transferred over to Notre Dame, and he's kind of fallen a little bit. I'm not sure where his value is this year. Um, I haven't watched him back from 2022 yet, but he's a guy that 
maybe you could look at if he's there in the third or fourth round, depending on where on you know on the value aspect of it. Seeing so if you can turn around the one safety that I do really like is Sidney Brown. He's the twin brother of Chase Brown, both coming out mm-hmm. of Illinois. It, it, he's got the range. If you want to play a single high defense, he's got the range for it. He's so quick, and it's not just the sheer athleticism and quickness that he has. It's how quick he is to read the quarterback and make a play on the ball. And he can drop down into the nickel, and he can match up fairly well in one-on-one coverage in, in the slot. So he's got a lot of versatility. He's a guy that I like, but again, I don't know where the safeties are sitting at because of the amount of work I've yet to do on them as a group. So he could be sitting in that range that maybe just might be a tad early for the Broncos, in my opinion, but or he could be just right there or something. But so just haven't done enough work on safety to say for sure. Yeah, Sidney Brown is a guy that I know is a, a quick riser coming out, uh, uh, specifically talking to guys like uh, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino over at the Draft Network. Um, Daniel Jeremiah had some raving reviews coming out of him, um, coming out of the Senior Bowl as well. But uh, to tie in, another question that I wanted to kind of close the show out on here, Ryan Powell says, that, are there any FCS players you guys like? Not necessarily FCS players, but mid-major guys that I like specifically at the safety position. JL Skinner, the safety out of Boise State. I know that he had a rough showing at the Senior Bowl in terms of showing man coverage, and he just kind of looked out of place a little bit for the most part. But you want to talk about a rangy guy that has incredible tools. He's six foot four, two hundred and twenty-five pounds, can play a single high he can play it not necessarily single high is like a like where he wanted to play but he can play uh, in a single high safety um does his best work dropping down into the box and kind of roaming around as like that that overhang safety kind of a, a hybrid linebacker player really good tackler has great ball skills gets his hands on a lot of footballs I believe he had four interceptions this last season at boise state so that's a guy that i like and um as a mid-major player any fcs guys that are really standing out to you other than the obvious one which is uh cody malk the uh interior offensive lineman slash tackle from north dakota state so this this is gonna get me uh made fun of a lot i couldn't tell you what schools are fcs i can tell you what ones are (laughs) fps i don't pay attention to that stuff so if you if you didn't mention cody malk i wouldn't have known that he's fcs like I just I just don't pay attention to that. Like I don't watch college football for fun. Exactly. I watch it for work. So I don't there, there's a lot I can't I can't tell you who's in what conference. I can't I, I outside of Alabama and the SEC. That's the only one I know. Like <laughs> I know Alabama and the SEC. So, so how about small how about small school guys? And uh, first things first, Michael jumping in here. A uh, great show tonight, Lance and Eric on DVDD. Go Broncos and buck them. Yeah, man, buck them all. That's uh, we, we don't like the haters. Let's just enjoy a, a wonderful time talking football and have some fun. And that's a subliminal message going out to everybody here. Uh, how about small school guys that you like in the top 100? Um, you've got Malk specifically. The uh, Like I said, left uh, he was a right tackle and a guard position player um, going to the next level from North Dakota State. Uh, Rasheed Rice out of SMU is a guy that everyone's liking in the first round. Uh, any other guys, smaller school, non power five school players that you're that you got your eyes on so so non-sec <laughs> non-acc non-big 12 non-big 10 so, non-pac 12 so I, i'm gonna move on from this because yeah i could <laughs> i can't tell you acc teams like it's just not it's just not something i do but i do want to ask a question from somebody in the chat um brad d is talking about steve avila so he got bull rushed and pushed around um when uh, I just, I just out of curiosity, when because 
He was one of the, viewed as one of the best guys in the national championship game for TCU. He's got among draft eligible offensive guards and offensive guards in general for this last year. He was one of the best in pass protection, allowed zero sacks, allowed 11 pressures, and just an absolutely one of the best graded run defenders. So I'm just curious about when he got bull rushed and pushed around a lot. Because in all the games that I've watched with TCU and of his, which is the majority of them this season, I, I didn't see it. There were sometimes more times at center than I did at guard, but when I've seen it watched him this year, I, I'm not seeing that. So just out of curiosity, um, if you can point me to that direction so I can check on that, and uh, I'd appreciate it. Yeah, get us back in the comments, guys. We're, the comments are always open here on YouTube. You can always come back and get us. You can always find us on Twitter by finding me at Sanderson MHH and for Eric at Eric Trickle. Um, also, guys, at DVDD underscore pods, a great way to, to connect with us. If you're not on Twitter, always uh, YouTube comments or Facebook comments, anything like that. We'll definitely get back with you and just kind of continue on with this discussion. couple quick things that I want to throw out here before I kind of wrap up the show. We've got Ryan jumping back in here with uh, – uh, battle from Alabama, Jordan Battle, the safety from Alabama. Um, there was a lot of hype of him coming out as a first-round player this season, and then Brian Brant showed up and said, no, to hell no, you're not a first-round player, I am. Uh, Jordan Battle from Alabama, where's he sit for you right now, Eric? I, I have a third-round grade on him. Yeah, again, a lot of safeties I haven't done work on. Battle's, well, battle's one of them. Okay. Um, so, um, sure. so, so, uh, Speaking of Alabama players, any Alabama guys the Broncos will be able to draft. There's one specifically that I have that I really like for this team in the probably fourth round, early fifth will be better in Emil Ekior, the interior offensive lineman who had a really good week at the Senior Bowl. Um, I liked what Tyler Steen showed at the Senior Bowl, and I like what I've seen on tape. Like, not great. Like, he's not going to be a top 100 guy, probably not a top 150 guy, but they're in like late fourth, early fifth round. Like, he's a tackle that I'm that's I think is worth taking and giving a shot at, you know, try to develop a little bit. Yeah. Gary Palmer jumping in here at the, at the very last bell here with a $10 super chat. And thank you, Gary, for joining us as always, man, better late than never. And again, we really appreciate your support here. Good evening, Lance, Eric, and Scott. Great show tonight. MHH for life. Half tag, uh, hashtag Buckham. Excuse me on that. Thank you, Gary. We appreciate that, man. Um, uh, let's see. I, I think that was pretty much everybody that I wanted to hit in terms of shouting out everybody um in the chat there was one more that i am not being able to find here okay here we go uh robert merica jumping in here new name um it may not be a new name at least one that i'm not familiar with but thank you robert for joining us mcclendon curtis out of chattanooga would be solid on the offensive line i however have not seen him eric have you got a chance in any exposure to mcclendon curtis just out of the senior bowl where he really, he really stood out. He had a great senior bowl. I haven't watched his tape yet though. Oh, it, that's going to be a fun one, man. Cause Chattanooga, uh, they, they turned out, um, what the heck was his name? He's a first round pick from last year. Uh, Cole, damn it. Yeah. Cole strange. That's it. So at least they're turning out some quality prospects down there in te Tennessee Chattanooga. I think that's pretty much it. For yeah. We got to get Eric, out there. Yeah, we definitely got to get out of here. Thank you all for joining us here on Dove Valley Deep Divers. We appreciate your love and support. Again, Twitter handles at Sanderson MHH for me, at Eric Trickle um, for Eric. Also at Scout Kennedy. Thank you to Scott for joining us on the ones and twos, running everything and making sure he's doing a great job moderating the chat behind the scenes. We appreciate all of your guys' love and support but because without uh, what you guys do, we couldn't do what we do best, which is – cover your Denver Broncos. Please guys subscribe to mile high huddle across all platforms, YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, Twitch. Um, 
on, on Facebook as well. Hit all our Facebook groups. Um, like every video you guys see. And if you love it, please share it because without your support, we couldn't do what we do. Uh, with that, guys, we're going to get out of here. You all stay safe. Take care. Have a great rest of your weekend. And as always, go Broncos. You've been listening to the Huddle Up Podcast. Join Broncos Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com to keep the conversation going. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.